Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Musically Hitched. Be sure to hit that plus button to follow the podcast, Musically Hitched, here on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to leave us a review if you're enjoying the content and it's bringing you value and it's helping you progress as a music pro. Do us a favor, please, and leave us a five-star review. That helps the podcast to have an even greater reach. Hey, what's up? It's Darwin. Y'all, I did my first podcast today. Y'all, my man Zach. Y'all got, I know y'all are already tuning in, or you probably wouldn't be seeing me, but I'm telling you right now, for the best content, the best conversation, the most real, honest, and accurate of conversations and content, y'all already know to tune in to Musically Hit. I'm so excited for y'all to check our conversation out. It's the first podcast I've done, so I'm really excited. I'm a little bit biased, so I can't wait for y'all to hear our conversation. I can't wait to hear what you think about it and, and chime in and make your comments, because we want to know you know, what you got to say and what you think too. All right. When I worked in Nashville, I worked for a company called Whistler's Music. They did ad, it's an ad agency. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, even the, I did the demo for a Chili's, you know, I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby yeah, back, yeah. baby back, baby. But I did the demo, but I did not get the spot because I'm not a bass. Okay. So, but I was, I could sing low but enough to do the demo. Those, that was, that was the, and they, the one. And they, they picked up that, they bought that song because of my demo. But mm. I didn't get the spot. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, but in Cincinnati, there's this restaurant called Skyline Chili. So one day I went into Whistler's. It's in Nashville. I had moved away from Cincinnati. I said, "Who's the client today?" They were like, "Oh, you're not gonna know. It's some chili chain out of Cincinnati." I was like, "Are you crazy? I'm from Cincinnati. What is it? <laughs> it's only two chili chains there: Gold Star and Skyline." They were like, "Oh my God, it's Skyline. That's the client. They're actually coming in today to hear the idea that we want to pitch to them that you're gonna sing." So the client, Skyline people came to the session where I learned the song. Crazy. Whenever you're feeling good and hungry, it's skyline time. (laughs) Gather together with friends and family, it's skyline time. It's like an old platters tune to that. Wholesome, hearty food and a taste that so divine together at last it's skyline time. Man, I sang that song (laughs) and that was in 1997 and they still play it to this day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Musically Hitched. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds Jr. We are here today with a singer's singer, <laughs> an entrepreneur, a husband, a father. He's an amazing, amazing talent, creative leader. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He is the one and only Mr. Darwin Hobbs. Darwin, how you doing, man? Amazing, thank you for those kind words. Oh, yeah, I, I, you have to remind me how much it is I promise to pay for you to say that and then uh, I'll cash app you afterwards but it's <laughs> I'll invoice you <laughs> oh god no but thank you man no, I'm man. so honored to be here no man this is good it's good to have you on the show I'm, it's, it's thank you it's long overdue I mean yeah, we, you know, absolutely it's not the first time we've talked but I mean it's you know I'm happy to hear that this is your first time sitting down. Yeah, absolutely. I was jealous. We had Rachel on here and I'm like, oh wait a minute. God. Wait one minute. Rachel, we got him. He's here. I'm He's here. here. I'm here. So pay attention. Watch what they yeah. listen. Take notes. Cause <laughs> you got you got a story to tell, man. And, and it starts <laughs> oh God. in Cincinnati. Absolutely. That's Born home. and raised. Born and raised. And you are one of how many? 
one of six kids. Mm. I'm the baby, as they say. Oh, God. Can you relate? I can relate. It wasn't six of us, but the baby is the baby. Yeah, right? well, now, now one of my oldest, well, my oldest brother is deceased, but okay. uh, so I got my oldest sister, two older, well, three older sisters, and, and one, everybody's older. So to say older is dumb because I'm the youngest. So <laughs> I got three sisters and one brother, and then me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, wow. So musically hitched, that you are. Amen. How in the world did you get hitched? Is this a is oh. this genetic gift? Did you, are you the only musician in the house? Yeah, yeah no, like, there's nobody else is doing what I do in my family. My mother sings. Um, I have you know a couple of sisters that might sing, but they don't do it actively. Uh, and I didn't want to be a singer, Zach. I wanted to be a journalist. Really? I never had aspiration or dream to be a singer. I, I just did not. I wanted to be. I wanted to go to journalism school. I wanted to either be you know do what you're doing or I want to be, you know, Anderson Cooper or Roland yeah. Martin, whoever I'll say, you know, <laughs> I wanted to do journalism, wow, print or writing, you know? Okay. So, but um, yeah, when I was in church years, I mean, what was I 10 or 11? And, you know, we went to this church and my mother made me get in the choir. She gave me a choice. Mm -hmm. She said, you can get in the, uh, you can do the little <laughs> junior usher board or you can be in the choir. And I promise you, dude, I had not sang a note before that. I got in the choir and opened my mouth and there it was. I start singing. Really? And yeah, like, I mean, it's so funny because they put me in the, in the little bitty, you know, sunbuds or whatever you call them, the little bitty kids choir. And I guess my skill and development was more than they imagined it would be. So then they put me, as young as I was, I got to sing with them at one point of the service, the little kids and Tracy, you're still jealous about this because she was in the, that's how I met Tracy. She was already in that choir and already at that church. So Tracy and the other, so what would happen is during the service, they put the little sunbeams up, we get up, do our thing. And then the young adult choir would get up at one up, another point of the service and do their song. So I would, when the young adult choir would stand up, I was the only little bitty kid from the other, <laughs> that would, they would stand up, I would get up and go sing with the young adult choir too. Okay, okay. Cause they just felt like, I guess they saw something, mm -hmm. you know, some level of skill in me that was above and they wanted to develop that. I'm really grateful for those times though. That's amazing. But, but Tracy and the other kids would be hating, wouldn't y'all? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but yeah, that, it was crazy. So that's when I started. That's how it all started. Wow, so no, no, hey mom, I want to sing, none of that. It was just, no. just and then, mm -mm. so when did you realize you could sing? Like, did somebody tell you? I, I think it was back then, man, just at church. And then we, our youth, you know, the pastor's wife, God rest her soul, Miss McMullen, Mrs. McMullen, Marjorie McMullen, she developed us, dude. And she, I think it was her that mm. more saw something in me because she, she's the one that said, hey, he can sing with these little bitty kids, but I also want him to stand up with the young adults nice. and be developed by, and then her daughter, Kim, you know, I kind of looked up to her because she was a great singer, still is to this day. Shout out to you, Kim. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she, I kind of just gleaned from her and man, I guess the rest is kind of history. So I sang in that church until I was a teenager. And then I went mm -hmm. to another church there in Cincinnati, Ohio, and just continued to grow my craft and ministry. And the other thing that I learned, even again, at El Bethel was a Baptist church there in Cincinnati, just from the very beginning, you know, we were trained in, you know, creatively, but we were also, you know, trained and fell in love with Jesus at mm -hmm. the same time. So my, my faith grew yeah. and my talents and abilities. Okay. So when did you realize, okay, singing is not just 
going to be something that mom wants me to do. I'm going to actually take ownership of this thing because now I realize what I can do. Yes. Is this teens or are you already out of the house? I think it was a, as a teenager. Okay. You know, I started like getting in talent shows at school mm-hmm. and it's so funny, dude, I'd be singing like, I get up, <laughs> I would get up at the talent shows and be singing like Precious Lord, like hymns and the <laughs> girls and everybody would be screaming. Man, Jackson, Precious <laughs> They'd be screaming like I was singing some R and B song, like. But I've been singing church songs. I was like known as a church guy, yeah, like. Yeah. But so I did that, and then, yeah, it was as, as a teenager. And then I was gonna go away to college. Well, I did go. This is a long story, but I, it's not a long story. But <laughs> I went away to college on a four year scholarship, vocal music scholarship for music, okay, free to Jackson State University. Wow! And I only stayed two weeks. I just it, I didn't want to be there. I, I I just I stayed for two weeks. Wow. It might have been shorter than that. <laughs> Y'all, Tracy and my mother, they can remind, I think it was maybe a week and a half, like a week. I stayed, man, I could, that was culture shock. I couldn't take it. Wow. I, and I left. I gave up a four-year music scholarship. So what culture shock in the, usually culture shock can be, well, it can go both ways, but you were coming, you're from a larger city than Jackson. Yeah, but it was culture shock in several ways. And that's so good that you said that. It was culture shock because in Cincinnati, more diverse, yeah. You know, more right. whites than blacks, but we just, we went to school with everybody. Okay. okay. I went to school with whites, blacks, Cambodians, all kind of mm-hmm. people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then to go to Jackson State, which is HBCU, you know, I, I got there and it was just black people. Right. Right. And so that was a little bit of a culture shock. I was like, wow, like it's just us. Okay. Great. I can get with it. But let me tell you what else there was. Uh, and this is so petty. <laughs> There was these big flying cockroaches that was like this big. Oh, wow. And Zach, I was one on the elevator when I was headed to my room to get settled in. I was like, no, we can't do this. I'm out of here. I'm scared of books. (laughs) And up to this day, I'm terrified of books. They was this big, dude, and they was in the dorm. Wow. I said, oh, no, we can't do this. My mother was like, fool, are you crazy? (laughs) Right. You, this is a bus. Step on the bus. You got four years for free. It's a raid, right, exactly. I can't do it. I, went, oh, wow. I can't do it. So I just, and that, but it was obviously the reason was bigger than that. I yeah, just yeah. wasn't, I don't think that was a part of my journey to go to a four year program mm. and graduate from college. I just didn't, okay. I never have. And so, uh, uh, but, and, and I don't believe it was a mistake. I think I, my journey was and is my journey. I mm. think it was so, I, so, but to, to say that that wasn't a defining moment would be untrue. So it was a defining moment. And mm. I think that from that, I did realize you know, I will pursue this lane of operating as a singer, mm-hmm. you know, but it wasn't until, you know, after I got married that I actually took it real serious. And that's when we moved to Nashville from Cincinnati. So, okay. so what would you say, let's kind of jump ahead and then we'll jump back. Yeah. When you think about the music business, what have been some of your, if you had to name your top or maybe your top three pivotal lessons as a professional musician, what are your can't miss, gotta have this, this, this is this are non-negotiables for me. Lessons for me, for me that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Man, I think the number one thing is building solid relationships. Uh, I think that's what's kept me even to this day somewhat relevant mm-hmm. and engaged okay. in the community, the industry, the the you know, relationships. A lot of people don't 
are not real good at building relationships, mm -hmm. not ones that last. Yeah. So I think that building the right kinds of relationships gives you longevity. Mm -hmm. You know, and I used to pray like, God, I don't want to be here today, gone tomorrow. I would like longevity. I want to be here. There's wow. a Bible scripture that I love that says, I think it's Proverbs 20, 23. I don't know if it's still 2021. 20, it says a, an inheritance is gained too quickly in the beginning is not a blessing in the end. Mm. So I was like, man, I don't want stuff to just come on me and I'm just, you know, quick to tear that here today and then gone tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if I'm going to do this, especially what I'm doing, calling it ministry, I want to be always able to have the ear of the listener, which would means I would have longevity. I don't want to grow old and then people just don't want to hear from me anymore. Mm -hmm. So when I started, man, it was just, this was like 30 years ago almost. You know, and here we are now, this many years later, and I do believe that I still have the ear of the listener. Whoever is called to hear Darwin, they're still hearing me. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think longevity, dependability, um, dependability is huge because, first of all, in this business, the business of music, yeah, yeah. ain't nobody gonna call you if you're not dependable. Mm -hmm. They might call you, but you won't get the call again. Yeah. So right. when I was in Nashville, man, I I was I I was I lived there for almost five years, and I did over seven hundred studio sessions as a background singer. I wait was, a minute, I, seven seven hundred. You hear what I said? Seven. I was. That's all I did for a living. Like every week, like five days a week, I would be at some days. I had three and four. That's sessions. almost a session a day for two straight I was years that busy. with no Sundays, I no was, set, no days off. I was that busy. Wow. And I would have multiple sessions because, like, let me just tell you, like, when I first started, this is back in the mid '90s. This is when Benson Records. Yeah. yeah, this is at Benson Records. Like, I forget the name of the street. I would say it. I want to say Winter. No, that's not Winter Circle. That was, that was EMI. Okay, so like they used to have writers. Or like at Benson, they would have a writer department, like where songwriters actually reported there all day, and that's all they did was write songs. They had a studio there and on that floor, and they would write songs. They had these writing rooms. And so most of the songwriters though didn't sing, so then they needed demo singers. Mm -hmm. So I would report to Benson at eight o'clock in the morning and just sing demos all day. Wow. For writers. Somebody writing in that room, they got this song done, they need a demo of it. I would just sing. Sometimes I would leave that building making $2,500, which was a lot of money back in then. In a day. In one day. Wow. Because I would go and sing demos for writers. You know, Did you we don't have that? that anymore. Twenty-five hundred. Now, this is this is—is is this still happening today? Is that opportunity? Well, I, I don't still know. Still exists today. For I those don't that know that it's probably as lucrative uh, because now, like I said, the scenario that I was in was that there was a staff of writers for a label mm -hmm. that all were in the building right. at one time. Mm -hmm needing somebody needing a darwin to yeah. demo the songs that they would come up with nowadays you know people are more self-contained because yeah, self they right. might be i'm writing at home and some some people sing their own demos yeah. some people don't make demos they just kind of make a voice note on their phone send it to the artist mm -hmm. i got this song for you a lot of artists are directly connected yeah. with writers mm -hmm. so uh, sometimes demos are a thing of the past yeah. but Back then, this is the good old days. You need a yeah. demo of that song because yeah, if you, right. if I'm an artist and I'm, you want to say, "Hey, Darwin, I got a song for you." I'm like, "Send me the demo. Mm -hmm. I want to hear what it sounds like." Right. You know. So, um, but so I did demo sessions. I did so 700 sessions comes out of me doing demos. It comes out of me doing background sessions, which I did tons of. Mm -hmm. I was a contractor too, so I would hire singers, um, and I didn't just do church like music. So yeah. I did country, uh -huh. which was huge in Nashville. Oh, of course, yeah. I did country sessions, I did R&B, I did gospel, I did Christian CCM. So, I mean, and that was the crux of my work. So I just, and, and nowadays they're not even, BGVs are still 
present, but they're not as popular as they used to be back in the day. Mm. Like back in the day, every song almost was hinged on the BGVs, mm -hmm. you know? So in Nashville, again, me, Tiffany Palmer, Dewan Starling, you know, Tabitha Fair, uh, Gail Mays West and Angie uh, uh, Prem Wright and uh, Angie, uh, 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 Anne McQuarrie and, and, and man, uh, uh, Chance Scoggins and Michael Miller. I'm naming all these people, Leanne Palmore. Man, we, Gerard and Jovan Woods, we had it on lock. Natalie Grant, who's now an artist, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in her own right. She's one of the, she's probably the top female CCM artist. We were session singers together, man. Wow. Tim wow. Davis, who has his own agency in LA now, is doing you know, almost every animated movie or it, you hear music on, he has done that, wow. you know, or or Glee, the show Glee. You remember mm -hmm. that yeah, show? Yeah. Tim did all the vocals for that. I mean, so, but we were session singers together, man. So, wow. I mean, I just, I did so many sessions. And again, some of my friends were so, they were offended by the idea of doing anything outside of gospel. So I took all the sessions. I'm like, ain't no, ain't no, <laughs> I'm not offended. I don't think God's offended. I worked all the sessions in all right, the genres, yeah, right. you know? And so, yeah, I was busy and that's where it started. Wow, so 2,500, that's, that's an interesting number, man. 2,500 in a day, that that would be ooh, good money today. Absolutely, and so so I, I do it on a bunny trail. So I, I'd said de dependability, I said longevity, because you asked me some lessons I've learned. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, honesty, you know, um, I'm, I'm always honest with people I work with mm -hmm. and didn't always gain you a bunch of friends, you know, because I kind of say what, what maybe sometimes it's hard to be said. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what most people are thinking, I'm willing to say it. I, I was <laughs> raised like that. That's how my mother is. Yeah. And sometimes it gets me in trouble, but it is what it is. I feel like my mother always taught us because we, I'm terrified. Like I told you of a cockroach, but I ain't scared of nobody. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So I just don't have that fear of people, like yeah, yeah. you know. So I usually, I'm a good person. If you want honesty and just want to want it to be told like it is, mm -hmm. I'm that guy, and I can handle it most times. Yeah, most times. How do you think that served you in the industry? Because this can be a cutthroat business. Oh my goodness! You know, right? Because I mean, even and even in the gospel Christian side of things, you yeah, know, every, everything is not just gonna just happen and roll out the spread for you and right no everybody nobody's just waiting on you to come into the music business and take it over right that's right so but you were in demand right so what are some things that you found that maybe along the way like your particular personality type served you well and maybe someone who was maybe less direct let's call it yeah did I mean, they get it, looked over opportunities didn't go their way absolutely closed mouths don't get fed yeah well that's well, i love how you said that um Speaking of mouths getting fed, because one of the things that I think it served me well to, it served me well to be forthright and honest is when I would be, you know, getting approached for jobs. You know, I would just, mm. I would state what it is that, would, what it would require for me to do what it is I'm being asked to do. A lot of people, now let me just tell you this, and which, and I'll say this to a camera that's focused on me, <laughs> uh, people that are just getting started, because when I just was just getting started, man, mm -hmm. I did a lot of stuff for free okay. uh, and for gratis or whatever you want to call it, because I was wanting to build relationships. I wanted people to get acquainted with what it is I was doing. So I didn't come in the door asking for top dollar. <laughs> I didn't come in the door demanding, you know, anything. I just was like, I'm glad to be here. I'm honored to be here. Uh -huh. And if you would have me, let me show you what I can bring to the table. Wow, right. Right now, I'm proud to say it'd be false humility if I try to say, "Oh, I just did okay." No, I knocked that ball out the park mm. because after I, I knocked it. it out the park, 
then I can name my price. There you go. You know. There you go. But sometimes you're not going to get the top price showing up at the door, y'all, just demanding what it is you want. Sometimes mm -hmm. you got to let people know, look, no, I can swing better than anybody you want to have in here. So just right. let me get at the bat yeah. and let me swing, swing it. and yeah. then let me, and I'll show you better right. than I can tell you. So it's nothing better than to be able to offer a guarantee and to meet it. So mm -hmm. I would always guarantee you're not going to get a better tenor on here on these BGVs. You ain't going to get a better uh, uh, contractor. You're not going to get a better, I'm going to do the job just mm -hmm. as good or better than any other guy singing mm -hmm. tenor that you can hire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was always able to meet that challenge. Yeah. And so when I did that, then I could back it up. I could back up my demands yes. by delivering the goods. Right. So, right. Um, you know, again, in an honest, open way, I was known to just, hey, this is what I need. This is what it is. Mm -hmm. This is what, and you know what? In Nashville, man, we had people, even the producers, very honest and open Mm -hmm. with us even concerning our craft. Like, I mean, I had a big, robust voice. It's still like that, it's thick. Yeah, it is. You know? So when singing BGVs, it takes a lot of work for me to blend. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm big, mm -hmm. you know? And um, not just big in stature, but big. my voice is big. And so I would have producers say, Darwin, and sometimes we'd, be, we'd all be facing the mic just like this at a session. Yeah. And they would say, Darwin, you turn and sing to the wall on the next pass. Oh, yeah. The first right. two passes, which is the, the number of times we do it, the first, for the, those of y'all don't know, when you're in the studio and you're stacking the parts, okay, the, mm -hmm. they got three stacks. Yeah. Well, each time you do a stack, it's called a pass. There okay? you go. <laughs> teach it, teach it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they would be like, Darwin, on the third pass, we want you to turn opposite and mm -hmm. sing towards the wall. Everybody else stay forward. Mm -hmm. Now, I could have got offended by that. Why are you telling me to turn around? Right, right. right. But it was because my voice was big. And they're like, we're getting too much Darwin. You turn around. <laughs> Uh -huh. And I would sing towards the wall on the next pass. It gave the balance out the yeah. sound. You heard it in the mix. Yeah. Nowadays, you can't even tell people they're singing pitchy or they're singing too loud. They get offended. Yeah. I'm like, you can't put your feelings on your shoulders. Well, this dude. goes back to, to what you said was relationships. We talked about relationships and we talked about longevity. Yes. Why do you think that the creative struggles with that concept? Because if, if nobody was struggling with it, then we wouldn't have stories. We wouldn't be able to mentor people in areas and say, hey, you need to be nice. You need to That's be right. on time. You need to be prepared. A lot of the things that we talk about are not musical mm, at all. They're relational. So why do you think that's such a struggle for the creative? Well, I think sometimes it's on our part because what I hear you saying is why is it so difficult at times for creatives to really be relational and build relationships? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, because you're either being relational or you're being transactional to what one of the two. And I That's think right. so many times, either we are just so after the transaction that we don't take time to build a relationship or the people that are wanting to hire us. This is the same thing I get, like even as a worship pastor working in churches, okay? Mm -hmm. I First of all, I'm not coming to your church and working for you if there is not a relational aspect of what we're doing. I just, that, I, it, it can just be transactional, which would be to say that you're gonna pay me to come and do what I do. So we're gonna handle the transaction and then I'm gonna go home, you know? So that means basically I'm a hireling. I come and do what you need me to do and then I go home. That's fine. Some people report to, report to work, they work for Coca-Cola, whoever they work in, but they ain't got nothing to do with faith, it's just a job. Mm -hmm. They right. go and they complete the transaction. Yeah. The yeah. transaction is you come, you be a secretary, you go home, you get your paycheck, you mm -hmm. go and you come back week after week. But in the, in the faith circle and in people that, you know, in, in jobs like I do, like as a worship pastor, I believe that it needs relationship connected to it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times 
again, it's on the creative side where we're so hard after the transaction, we forget about building the relationship. But a lot of times it's on people that are hiring us too because they just connect themselves so much to our gift that it's not a matter of getting to really know us. It's just, again, it's all transactional. There's mm. no relationship connected. So then it's like a vicious cycle. Everybody runs through this, get that bag and then go and just get the bag and bounce. Nobody's taking time to build relationship. Yeah. They just, they don't take time. You and I, again, this is my first time on Musically Hitch. We've been knowing each other for years. years. It was because of, even even if it wasn't constant, yes. we still related to each other, mm -hmm. which would have made, that's what made you want to have me come exactly. talk to me sure. further. Sure. You know, <clears throat> you could have wanted to just talk to me because I'm an artist and whatever, whatever, but we got some relationship, mm -hmm. okay? So, um, and that's not always possible and not even always necessary. So I want to be balanced with my statement because you can't have that's relationship with right. everybody. Right. Some things right. are just a transaction. And when I want to cook Chick-fil-A, I'm going to satisfy a transaction. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going in the drive-through, give me a number one, and I'm going to press my way, and that's the transaction. Right. I'm going to give my credit card, and it's done. Transactions are fine. Mm -hmm. But in certain instances, I believe that it needs to be both relational and transactional. And I think a lot of times for creatives, our gift is what sits at the center and the foundation of what's happened. So then a lot of times once you've, you know, once you've contributed your gift, that's all people focus on and it's all we focus on. Mm -hmm. And therefore the relationship goes out the window. I just happen to be a tad bit more relational in general. That's my DNA. It's on some people are more, my wife Tracy is more, um, she's more of an introvert. So she's not given to a lot of, you know, being relational. Okay. I know, I, I don't know if you are up on the Enneagram uh, scale, which is a mm -hmm. personality uh, 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 module that lets if Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, y'all should look that up mm -hmm. and figure out what number you are on an Enneagram scale. It just, it gives you personality types. Yeah. And some people are not, real relational, they're not yeah, caring right. about what people think about them, they're not wanting to really engage beyond right. the surface. Mm -hmm. I think creatives a lot of times are just, we can be just, let's just. Um, Extroverted introverts, man. Yeah, yeah. kind of like, you mm -hmm. know, so, which, you know, you got creatives that are both introvert mm -hmm. and extroverts, but a lot of times, dude, we're so busy, like focused on, again, our craft, mm -hmm. our gift, mm -hmm. and what that can do for us as it pertains to completing a transaction, making money, yeah. you know? So then sometimes it's hard for us to relate to people, but it's very important to build relationships. Yeah. That's all we really have, right. you know, to me, this is my opinion. Mm -hmm. Relationships are vital. Yeah, well, it's they connect to the, the relationships connected, directly connected to longevity. I don't think you right. have longevity. That's right. If you're horrible at relationships. That's right. I just don't see them ever connect. That's the truth. And so, so because let me tell you, the work, I still, I haven't recorded a full album in 13 years, but I'm still engaged. I'm still relevant, I would mm -hmm. like to think. I'm mm -hmm. still, you know, engaged, you know, yeah. beyond just my four walls, beyond just my family. I'm still, you know, and so, and I, I still got relationships. I still got relationships in the industry. I still got relationships in ministry. Mm -hmm. There's people, I will never, as they say, be broke because I could always, if I was sitting at home and just let's say I didn't, nowadays I don't do much of itinerary ministry as they say, I don't go out doing a lot of church gigs and mm -hmm. I, I spend most of my time in the local church setting being a worship pastor. Okay. But if that were to ever go away and I felt like, man, you know, I need to really engage, not just for uh, 
spiritual reasons, but for even in a way, because my ministry for me is also a job. It's avocational and vocational. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a ministry or, or with a job to do, you know, so it's like it both because it provides for me financial substance. So if I were ever like not being a worship pastor, I have enough relationships where I could get on the phone today and I would call Pastor ABC and I'd say, hey, do you have need for me to come and share ministry? Mm-hmm. You know, and then that's going to provide for me an honorarium. And so I will never be. And that's all because of relationships. Right. I got relationships yeah. with people I can call. Yeah. You know, you burn those bridges down and you don't you don't have any people to call. No, exactly. You're preaching about <laughs> burning bridges. That's a whole nother podcast. That's so good. You, yeah. but, you, but we can't do that. No, you can't. You just can't. So take me back a little bit. So this, that's good, though. Relationships and longevity. How did we get to Nashville? I want to make sure I didn't miss that and that our listeners didn't. So you were in Cincinnati. We went mm-hmm. to Jackson State. Yep. Bug said, you out of here. <laughs> now we're back in Cincinnati, but we end up in Nashville and we do 700 sessions. So how did we bridge the gap between Ohio and Tennessee? I, I, was, I went to a C.C. Winans concert at, in Cincinnati. Mm. And then I met her, her then MD, which is a guy named Roger Ryan. And Roger and I, we started talking back and forth on the phone, probably a two-way pager back then, I don't know what it was, but (laughs) we started talking, keeping in touch. And so I then started, you know, just kind of confiding in him about, you know, well, these are aspirations I have. When I went to CeCe's concert, I saw our background singers up there. I thought I could do that. Mm -hmm. I had dibbled, dabbed a little bit in the background thing with an artist locally named Rodney Posey. Mm -hmm. Love you. Pastor Posey, but uh, so he really, and Donald Lawrence, they gave me my first official background opportunity. It's okay. the first time I traveled to do backgrounds long distance with Pastor Rodney. We went to North Carolina to record his album. What's yeah. the one song we were going, El Shaddai, El El <laughs> I was in the choir, doctor. Yeah. I don't know, we praise <laughs> you, El Yeah, so. <laughs> But man, no, so I did that. But then talking to Roger back and forth, long story short, I decided, Tracy and I decided I would move to Nashville okay. just to pursue mm-hmm. being a background singer, ultimately mm-hmm. being an artist. But it's not ice cold, it's a connection. So you're Absolutely, there was still C there, yeah. C relationships. Exactly. Built with Ryan, Roger mm-hmm. Ryan, moved to Nashville. I Roger was involved with a group called Veritas then, which the director was Fred Vaughn. I joined Veritas. We went to a session to do backgrounds on a guy named Michael Card. The, Michael Card is a guy that people don't know his name. He's a white gentleman. He wrote the song, El Shaddai. It's so funny, I was just singing that. But yeah. he wrote, El Shaddai, yeah. El Shaddai, El Adonai. Right. Um, so Mike Card was recording an album. We went as Veritas, the group, to sing the Bay GVs. He had, well, he's a CCM artist, more Celtic, high church kind of artist. but. Michael Card had a couple of gospel theme songs on his album. So they brought Veritas in to sing the BGVs. I went and did that. Mm-hmm. So in between, they tell us to take a break as the singers to go in the break room, get you some. So then they called me into the control room. I was like, oh man, what I did is like my first session. This is my first session in Nashville. Really? I said, now they're calling me to the side. I'm probably not doing something right. And man, it was his producer, Phil Nash and Mike Card. And they were like, hey, man, there's something special about you. Like, do you think we could have you stay behind after the group leaves to kind of just try out like a little B section on this song? I was like, whoa, yes, man. I ended up doing two duets with Mike on that album. And then from that, he asked me to come join him on a tour. So I went to Israel. I mean, Israel, 
yeah, Ireland, Scotland, London. I did that tour with him. Uh, and that is really where it all started as a professional. That was really where, that's the first time I've ever been out of the country. Mm -hmm. um, so I start touring with Mike Card and and the rest really is history because then after that, I signed a record deal with EMI Gospel. So I wow. was their first solo male artist. So take me down, this is, that's, that's, a, that's a bag we gotta get into for sure, the EMI days. So, and EMI doesn't exist uh, it's Motown you can't go Google, Google it now, but it's Motown no. Gospel, right? Yeah. But you can you can learn about. So uh, that's amazing. So the first session turns into, in essence, a tour. As a background singer. Right. And, uh, well, and it's funny because I say a background singer, but when I started the tour with Mike Card, it was just me. He was there singing with his guitar. Phil Nash was on the keyboards, and I was on the microphone with a shaker like a, 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 so I was really a percussionist. Auxiliary, yeah. Yeah, right. and singing and doing a shaker to cathedrals full of people in Ireland. Now, let me tell you, then I would step out and do my little solo. Emmanuel, our God is with Playing and singing. us. And if God. And man, then people would sit there like this and just look at me like I was crazy. Okay, because I'm the only black face in the room. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, like they don't like what I'm doing. But after I would get done with the song, it felt like they would stand up and clap for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a, so then I start learning about culture. Culture. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, they don't respond how we respond. Because I'm thinking, I am bombing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm dying a horrible death. These people are looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> but when I would get done and sing my last note, they would give me a standing ovation. They were locked in, yeah. And then I was like, okay, they don't respond the way we respond mm -hmm. in our culture to singers that they like. More, they were more like hanging on every word I was saying. Yeah. Like they, they just consumed it differently. Mm -hmm. So I learned about culture and um, yeah, man. So I, I toured with Mike um, and then he invited me to bring some other, cause he said, well, we, wouldn't, we wanna bring like the same songs that Veritas did on my album. When we do this tour, we wanna actually have a black choir, which is the words they use. Mm -hmm. We wanna have a black choir to come on the road. So I got some of my friends, like eight of them from Cincinnati and then we went on the road with Michael Card. Wow. Which is now like, I think Wikipedia, they call it the Darwin Hobbs Choir or something. I'm like, I ain't never had no Darwin Hobbs <laughs> Choir, but that's how, you know, Wikipedia, people can put the stuff in there themselves. Right, right. So, but uh, we toured with Mike and, and then, you know, the like I say, the rest was history. Then I was doing like this coffee house called Jam and Java in, that, in Franklin, Tennessee. I went on one of the nights and just stood up and sang a couple songs with somebody playing, I think it was a Chris Rodriguez, somebody was playing guitar with me. And Sean Tate, this guy was there in the audience. Sean was the mark, he was working for Sparrow Records. But Sparrow Records at the time, Bill Hearn was the, and Peter York were the presidents. They said, they were planning on starting a label called EMI Gospel. Mm -hmm. Sean was gonna be the marketing director for EMI Gospel. He heard me sing in a coffee house, approached me, and said, I work for Sparrow Records, but they're gonna start a label called EMI Gospel. Would you come in and have a meeting with us? I think they would love to talk to you. Long story short, I went in, had a meeting with Peter York, Bill Hearn, met Sean Tate and a guy named Ken Pennell, who they were hiring Ken Pennell to lead up EMI Gospel. Mm -hmm. So they signed me to that label. And really, Ken didn't even really sign me. Bill Hearn said, Ken, we're hiring you to start EMI Gospel and this is a guy we want you to talk to about bringing on your label mm -hmm. when you start it. So I was the first signing really, actually the first 
artist they released was a, a, a choir out of Toronto, Sharon Riley and Faith Corral. Then they signed me as a male artist, Montreal Derrett. Uh, they signed him. Then Smokey Norfolk and some other people came after. Uh, but yeah. So was, did, so you were at a coffee house. This was a coffee shop. I was at a shop. coffee house, man, called Jam and Java. So you had, uh, did you have a routine or a regimen as an independent artist? Even you were getting the session calls. That's one stream of income. That's one Absolutely. opportunity. But what were you doing for yourself? Was that, an, was that a gig you booked for yourself? Well, well, let me tell you, I, I, I was doing BG, uh, BGV sessions and I worked at, as a customer service representative on okay. the phone at a place called Calm. So you've had non-musical jobs along the way. Well, okay. I worked for Saks Fifth Avenue before I even got in, that's back in Cincinnati. Okay. And then I worked, um, when I got to Nashville, I was a big phone person. I was, cause I just loved, I had customer service jobs and yeah. did surveys as a teenager. I even worked doing surveys for a company called Burke Marketing in Cincinnati, but marketing research, you know, people calling you, bugging you back in the day about surveys. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, when I got to Nashville, I still worked a, a eight to five, which was Comdata, it was a company and I, I was a customer service rep. Mm -hmm. And then at, at nighttime I'd do sessions, but then when the sessions start picking up so much, that's when I was able to quit my, you know, leave my job. That's why I yeah. tell people all the time, don't leave your job until you, you know, got to be <laughs> self-sufficient, you know, right. working full-time in the industry. Right. Some people want it so fast though, dude. So mm -hmm. they, you know, then they home hungry and can't pay their bills because they need, I'm like, dude, go get you a job. That's real. <laughs> you know, an eight real. to five, you know, until you, until the, the industry has such a demand on your mm -hmm. schedule that you can do it full-time. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I was working that and then, Again, and, and and doing that coffee house was, which I didn't get paid for. That mm -hmm. was just like an open mic kind of situation where yeah. I could go and sing. Okay. So you're just looking for looking for opportunities again. That's right. Let me, here's, here I'm up at bat again. Let me take a swing, show you what Set I can do. Hit the ball out the park and didn't know that one of the people, one of the fans in the in the stands. Getting some coffee, right. Was Sean Tate, mm -hmm. who was like, yo, who are you? Right. Guess what I do? I'm working as the marketing guy for a new label that's being developed called EMI Gospel. We want to talk to you. Yeah. So that's how, you know, it was just, that's where, but you know, nowadays, dude, I think people need to don't hate on like open mics and stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, you got to show up yeah. and just, it doesn't pay you anything, but just go be present yeah. and show people what you can do. You don't right. know who's sitting there. Exactly. Right. Well, we do live in a culture where like the, the word exposure has been, has over, over the years has mm. turned from positive to negative. That's right, Zach. And I think, and, and I and I think that the initial intention that you had and everybody else is that you've got to be heard. Absolutely. Now the, we have social media and people can't hear you. Right. We didn't. And that wasn't. That didn't there exist. Wasn't that, there was then. no. There was no. I'm gonna get online and develop some followers. That's and then right. I'm gonna sing, you know, in, in a room. You know, record something and then put it out. That's tag, right. Tag everybody in the music business. You That's didn't know right. who was in the music industry. That's right. You had to buy a, a CD. And read the credits. And you had to buy the CD. Had you couldn't to buy, buy it. one song yeah. back then. There wasn't no one song. Let me buy a single. And yeah. the, uh, it, it was 1898 is what people had to <laughs> yeah, spend on right, Darwin. Right. If you won my album, you pay 1898. Or you could listen to the radio. But back then, radio was so guarded. And so mm -hmm. the people, the program directors, they decide what the consumer is going to listen to. Right. You know, nowadays, it's just so, it's, everything is direct to the consumer. We could, we do what we want to do. We feed them what we want to feed them. They can mm -hmm. eat what they want to eat. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. we offer, everything is just so, the line of demarcation and the control of it mm -hmm. all is, that's the thing of the past. Mm -hmm. So, but back then you would, it, it, 
outside of me showing up at Jam and Java to sing those songs mm -hmm. or being on a session where somebody hopefully hears me, there was no social media. Yeah, so. Right, right. You just had to build it. So, and, you, and it's one gig at a time, it's one song at a time, it's, That's one, right. it's one open mic at a time. That's right. And you just never know who's listening, but you also were, you were not, uh, turning your nose up or down That's at that right. opportunity. You That's sang right. at that coffee shop. Yes. Like he was hoping singers on the label Absolutely. were gonna sing. Absolutely. He saw synergy and he said, hey, let's talk. Absolutely, and if I had the mindset of, I ain't going to no coffee house because it ain't no dime connected to right. it. Right, yeah. I just believe I probably would not have met Sean Tate and I probably, and then the trajectory would have been something different. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now, but yeah. I'm saying it would not have happened the way it happened. Yeah. Right. I feel like it was God's providence that had mm -hmm. me be willing to go to that coffee house. Mm -hmm. And cause I'd gone to Jam and Java before, but I'd never had sang there, you know? So, but then I asked the guy that was running it like, hey, do you mind if I kind of like come and sing one night. He was like, sure, man. You know, yeah. so they actually asked me <laughs> to sing on the spot for him. Uh, I will never forget that. Wow, this is crazy. And then I sang like a piece of a song and he was like, absolutely, you come. Nice. When you wanna come, you know. Hey, what's up? It's Darwin, y'all. I'm telling you right now, for the best content, the best conversation, the most real, honest, and accurate of conversations and content, y'all already know to tune in to Musical Hitch, but, and then don't hate because of my t-shirt because you can have the same one. Y'all know I like black tees, it's all I really wear. So, and when it's quality like this, I'm really gonna wear it. That's why I got it on right now. So you can get a shirt like this too at musicallyhitched.com, musicallyhitched.com. I can't wait for y'all to hear our conversation. I can't wait to hear what you think about it and, and chime in and make your comments because we want to know, you know, what you got to say and what you think too. All right. And there's still opportunities available like that outside of social media, mm -hmm. but you got to take them. Yeah. There's doors, you just got to walk through them. Mm -hmm. So you've made your living as a singer, so we, we're going to get into the, to the EMI story a bit, but, but what tips do you have for singers in today's time? Because when, you know, 2023, yes. moving forward into 2024, real quickly, Austin, you know, moving ahead. How do singers today do in real time what you were doing back then? Well, nowadays- Especially it, with the advent of social media. In this, absolutely. In this I think nowadays, I'm not gonna say it's easy, but it's definitely easier mm -hmm. to gain exposure because there's social media. Yeah, I can turn on my phone today and just, Yes, Jesus loves me. Mm -hmm. And who knows who's gonna hear that? Right. You know, nowadays, like I said, the line of demarcation, the the barriers are just almost gone. Mm -hmm. You can I can message Oprah Winfrey if I want to. Right. A direct message. Mm -hmm. It don't mean she's gonna see it. Correct. It don't mean she's gonna answer. <laughs> right. But guess what? Back in the nineties? No way. Mm -mm. Yeah. People have access to me that I don't even know, mm -hmm. Zach. I mean, it's yeah. because of social media. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's one main thing. If people are wanting to break into this, I think that, again, if you want to, I mean, how can I say this? First of all, I want to say that people should realize that not everybody, I don't believe, is called to be uh, a, a recording star. Okay. Or, so I think people need to, number one, determine what it is you're supposed to do. What are you called to do? Mm -hmm. What are you, some people, you know, cause everybody to me, everybody's not gonna be a recording star, mm -hmm. okay? True. But let's just say we're just, let's let's bring it, let's focus it in on people who want to be a recording artist mm -hmm. or record professionally. Right. I feel that you have to, number one, decide what, what 
what style slash genre, even if it's in Christian music, is it gospel? Is it CCM? Is it, which is not to say CCM is not gospel, but you understand what I'm saying. Is it, uh, what are you doing? Pop, rock, you know, what style? Okay, so then, you know, I think now the new record label is producers. So mm -hmm. like record labels are almost a thing of the past. Like, you know, so I think you gotta build, here we go again with relationships. Mm -hmm. I know where you, you're going. If you're a singer, you have to build relationship with a, with a Zach, with a producer, with a, with a whoever that, that can uh, help you write, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're a writer, determine that or not. Cause some people are writing that don't, it's not really, a, I'm not a writer, okay? Mm -hmm. I can collaborate from now, but, but. And you're okay with that. You're able to admit oh, that and goodness. accept that. And then that way you don't get in your own way. That's right. I'm not, I, some people to me, I'm like, you're not a writer. Writer. Just let somebody else write your songs. Some writers are not singers. They mm -hmm. just need people like me that can Demo sing that their story yeah. that they write, you know. With, so determine that. Find your songs and, and just, I think, again, start the creative process by getting with a producer that can, you know, help you kind of lay the framework for what it is you want to do. Mm -hmm. Decide if you want to be a label artist or which I think I kind of almost would recommend against that nowadays. I think there's ways that you can partner with labels mm -hmm. outside of just completely signing over as an exclusive artist. I think yeah. you can sign a, there's all kind of deals you can do. Yeah. And uh, distribution, marketing, both distribution and marketing or just, you know, a licensing deal, whatever. So determine all of that. Um, and then, man, just start singing. I think people need to just start singing, whether it's in church. Mm -hmm. um, I know for me, I believe that if people want to be a worship artist or uh, I should say gospel artist, you know, I think a good foundation for that is local church. I think I'm, I'm a supporter of local church. Mm -hmm. I think that that is kind of like part of the framework of how God promotes people. Is, mm -hmm. is, is in the local church setting. I think it's a good place to start. There's opportunities to sing. Uh, there's accountability, mm -hmm. you know, in the right church. Um, and I think that even in a local church, let's say now, like at the church where I am in New York, a Christian Cultural Center, you know, I'm there, Israel Houghton is there. You know, we're kind of, you know, helping to train and develop and grow the creative community there. Okay. So somebody being at our, on our watch, it's a pretty good chance if they want to do this, then we can really help them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Israel and Darwin are not in every church though. Right. So I'm saying, so I'm not going to put this out there like, oh, hey, so then everybody's joining a worship team because that's an opportunity for mm -hmm. me to like right. launch my career. <laughs> no, because I already said earlier, not every person is called to do this, but right. I'm talking now to people who really feel called to do this. I think that they should, you know, start out by, you know, being faithful to their local setting. Mm-hmm. Because that gives you training, it gives you on-the-job training, it gives you opportunities, it gives you, you know, training in other areas, not yeah. just in your art, but in your heart. Okay, because that's why I call my thing hard art worship. Okay, right. okay? because I think any of us that are doing this in the faith lane, then we should be perfecting both the heart and the art of worship, not just our craft. Mm -hmm. So, but if you're in a local church setting and you're actively participating then you can get art and heart training. You know, you got a good pastor you're listening to. They're helping you train and grow you in Jesus. And then you also got a good worship pastor and music director that's helping to train your craft. Mm -hmm. So do that. And then again, relationships, 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 relationships. Build relationships with people that are where you want to go, right. you know, and let people disciple you. You know, you just, and people despise building 
relationships, working relationships with people. You just never know. I think all of us are like two degrees separated from the person who can. It's so true, man. Oh like, my yeah, goodness. It's, it's, but if we don't, if we despise connecting with and having exchanges with, go to Starbucks with somebody and sit down yeah. and talk. It, it, it just, you know, let me go with you, Zach, and just mm -hmm. talk to you. You know, I have no idea the platform that you might have access to right. that can help put me where I need or feel like I'm supposed right, to be. Right, because when you start talking, I start thinking. I'm listening, if I'm listening actively, right, and mindfully, yeah. I'm gonna be thinking about ways because of our bond, because yeah. of our relationship, how I can assist. There's a natural, I believe, you know, for humans typically, there's a, a desire to kind of bring commonality. Absolutely. I don't want to be on totally different spectrums from you if right. I'm spending time. That's right. With you. I want to know that we have something in common. Birds of a feather flock together. They Everybody's flock heard together. that. together, exactly. But that's what you're doing. You're flocking. But though, So now similar networks, similar resources. Yes. Hey, I, I need to introduce you to such and such because Absolutely. he's doing X, Y, Z, and his cousin is the head of whatever. You just never know. You never but know. But you open up a can of huge can of worms of opportunity. Absolutely. By just but talking. you gotta be willing. All of what you just said, which was so good by the way, but all of what you just said requires you showing up. It requires mm -hmm. you being present and it requires you being willing to give yourself to relationship, to relating right. with other people. I ain't saying you gotta be best friends. That's true. But sometimes just a a a a, a willingness to show up for a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So EMI, this was a moment. You recorded how many albums with the label? Uh, Do you seven. Seven. But not, I think it was just six with EMI. I, I did one album with um, Ty Scott. Okay. Um, and so, and then EMI put out a, a, an album called The Best of Darwin Hobbs, mm -hmm. which is still a kind of a sore spot, you know, if y'all are listening, you mm -hmm. know, because no, I'm just kidding. But, but really, honestly, let me tell you how I found out I had a best of album. My mother called me and she was like, oh, I see, you know, I'm so proud, you know, the best of. And I was like, what are you talking about? She said, you got a best of album? You know, I said, no, I don't have, what are you talking about? And dude, they had put out, they had put together an album and put it out. But this is the, another lesson in another podcast we can do about ownership mm. and, and whatever, because they, guess what? They could do that without my permission. Mm. And because why? they what, own the, the masters. They own the masters, right. They own the masters to what I, and so that's the other thing. When you sign exclusively to a label, then they, they own, you, you do, I did all that singing for all those six albums. I have no say. Mm -hmm. They could do what they wanted to with it. Mm -hmm. And they put out a best of Darwin Hobbs album. I didn't even know they were planning that. I was off the label. I, I was off the label. I left point. the label. Right. So, I mean, but kudos to them. That's what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. You know, in the money-making business, it's profitable for them to take an album and make a compilation. I'm not required to stand in the studio and sing for them anymore. Right. But guess what? They're like, we don't need you to sing. You already did six albums for us. We own those. <laughs> so we're going to make a compilation of all the songs that we think are the best that you did. Mm -hmm. And we're going to put that out. Right. And they put it out in conjunction with another album that I was doing with another label. So they were able to ride the wave of that marketing and all that that another label paid for, but they're like, oh, Darwin's recording with another label. Mm -hmm. So we'll just put this best of out uh, and we'll put it out right in conjunction yeah. with, that's the name of, that's how the business goes. It's music business, you know, right. that, That's how the, but if you don't know that, mm -hmm. then you'll be somebody, you'll be like I was and like, y'all put out a what? Yeah. How'd you do that? I don't make any money for, you know what I'm saying, so. Yeah. So what lesson did you take away from that? That's a music business lesson right there. So what have you, how are you conducting, you mentioned hard art, right? Yes. That's, that's a, it's a, I'm sure it's both a labor of love and, and, a, and, a, and a venture. Sure. And so how are you approaching your own? Are, are there some, some tricks of the trade 
tips for business that you would provide our listeners, about, yeah, particularly I, in the creative space? About. Yeah, I feel that um, far too many of us are unlearned about the process, the music, the business side of things. Okay. Which here again, redundancy is gonna be my, I, I'm redundant today, but I'll keep saying relationships, Zach. <laughs> you gotta get with somebody. Like one of my closest, dearest industry friends is Ted Wynn. Ted is a, have you ever had him on Musical Hits? Not yet, but Ted. Ted, we, you we need want to be you on, on the show, man. Dude, let me tell you he's something. A, I know he's a music publishing guru. And he that, that word a, alone is a that's a whole episode. Publishing by is, yeah. is, is 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 it's like math, and I hate math. Okay, so <laughs> but like, you like chicks. Thank you. Now, publishing Zach just preached y'all. They get sent an offering in because he just preached a sermon. <laughs> that was hey, hey. Let me tell you, Ted though, just to use as an example, is somebody that I'm able to call because I mm-hmm. have a relationship. That's Ted, good. I need to know this. Yes. Tell me what this means. Mm-hmm. What do mechanical royalties mean? Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And so, but. Uh, too many of us don't take time to learn. So I would say you gotta, 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 but there's books out there mm-hmm. that can train you and teach. Yeah. They may not render you a, as knowledgeable as Ted, mm-hmm. but they will give you the 101. But of, you don't wanna be in a conversation with a Ted and not know what he's talking about. So that's, and that's, that's, that's the homework so that many, I think absolutely. that artists could do is that they can buy a book, they can get on Blinkist now, which is almost like the Cliff Notes when mm-hmm. we were in college, and you didn't want to read the whole textbook that it'll summarize a, a 500 page book in, in 15 minutes. Exactly. In podcast form almost, exactly. right? So it, wow. I think that if people would actually at least give themselves a chance to accept the benefit of the internet sometimes and its, its availability, you yeah. show up to that meeting and you sound a lot more intelligent than you do in, 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 a, in a Ted or, or a Barry Gordy or That's Clive right. Davis. Is That's not, right. I'm talking to a hole in the wall right That's there. right. You've got something to give back. Absolutely. And I think that elevates the exchange like you were talking about, but yeah. I digress. Yeah, and, 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 and here's the thing. I gotta say this. Um, it, it really is, to me, it's difficult. I mean, the music business is very tricky. And it it's is. Ve- and there's so many clauses and ins and mm-hmm. outs of whatever. Mm-hmm. It's very, I mean, Ted is one of the people that taught me, like even with like getting permission, like people think, let's say if I wanted to go record, I don't know. Well, I did it with the, with the, with the, with the Luther song, like years ago, I recorded so amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so people think, oh my God, how did, how did you do that? Like he gave you permission? Well, we didn't need permission. It's already been released in the marketplace. I can yeah. record what I want to, now I don't get paid. Right. He gets the mechanical role, you know, he gets all of yeah, the right. bad. The writers and the publishers. And everything. Yeah. But I don't need permission. Mm-hmm. Now, probably if he would have tried to press us and say, I don't want you recording that song, it would have went to a court of law and he would have lost. Because you just that's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. Once you release something to the public, At a people, point, can, right. people can go and record it. Like, mm-hmm. you know. And then I also learned that even sharing songs via email and and and, and sharing your work like that it's considered a public release. So mm-hmm. then people can go and sing it and reproduce it as a cop, as a cover. Now you you still get the rights to it and get mm-hmm. paid. Right. But people have this misunderstanding all the time. Like people call me all the time, even though I didn't write He's Able, the song that I'm most popular for. Uh-huh. Dietrich Hatton wrote that song, but people always call me like, do you mind if I use He's Able or do you mind if I sing He's Able? I'm like, you don't need my permission. <laughs> right. First of all, I didn't write the song, mm-hmm. Dietrich did. Mm-hmm. You don't need his permission either, but you got to call him to get the mechanical license for it so mm-hmm. that he can get all the money that you, you know, he gonna get yeah. the proceeds. Right. But 
you don't necessarily need his permission. Mm -hmm. And if mm -hmm. he tried to stop you from recording that song, he would lose in a court of law mm -hmm. based on how the rules It's work. just the music. It's the law. It's copyright. It's the music business. It's, it's right. We're talking about stuff 100 years. It's not That's new information, right. right? And so, but, but if you don't know that, excuse me, microphone, if you don't know that, then you know, you'll be kind of like in a world of trouble. Or you'll be, like you said, sitting in a meeting with somebody. I've been on the phone with Ted a lot of times and had to fake it like I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, because right. he'll just start rambling stuff off. Like, mm -hmm. well, it depends. I'm asking him about one thing and then he gives five answers. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 90% of what he just said, I've never heard it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it means. Mm -hmm. But see, because I'm forthright, I'm going to say it. Yeah. Let's break this down. What are you talking about? Right. You know, what did you mean by that? Right. You know, and so we got to be learned. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a piece of advice I would give to people. And sometimes we're so busy talking instead of listening. And I think we got to be good listeners. Yeah. Uh, I think that so many of us are, are, um, you know, we've just in a way of, uh, wanting to be so after it. Um, we don't take enough time to invest in, um, I think that people should should do more investing in ourselves. I think that to talk to a Ted or to have his company work for you is not free. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to be more conscious about investing in our mm -hmm. own selves. And because everybody wants something for free, and mm -hmm. it's not always like that. Yeah. That's why you got to go to these. I will. Some people call them conferences. If it's a conference, if it's a seminar, whatever it is, invest in yourself and go and be a part of what's happening. Get the happening. information, right. Get right. The, everything is mm -hmm. not going to be where you could just click on like Musical.ly Hitched mm -hmm. and get some of what we're mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. But you got to invest in yourself, you know. So I think you got to be learned. And some one of the ways you get learned is to invest and yes. go to some seminars, sign on to some websites, go buy some books, go, you know, because the business of music is very tricky yes. and it's very difficult to me. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm a pretty smart person, but yeah. it's very difficult. Yeah, the legislation changes. You know, it's, it's not constant. It, it right. evolves and it grows. And every time, like streaming didn't exist when you were on EMI. That's right? right. So that's something you never would have had to deal with as someone who gets a deal today absolutely must understand absolutely right? yeah there was that wasn't even a part of are you kidding me mm -hmm. like i mean i remember back then like if you released your album like if you like to be like number one on the charts you probably have to scan that week like twenty thousand units your big number right but because when 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 the age of independent artists started coming into and when and so i remember one time ken pendle told me he said do you know the average number of sales in the business right now, just because of how much content is out there, the average number of sales per album was like 700. Wow. That's because when you added all of the content, the average was that small. Mm. But that's just because that's when every it just started getting flooded. So like now, you, I mean, probably if you if you sell a thousand units, you're probably going to be in the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> things mean, have changed, right? They're just have changed yeah. so drastically because you know because now there's streams and then there's actually purchases and it it's just a lot, man. But if you don't, if you're not trying to be conscious about staying learned, you're mm -hmm. gonna be behind. You're not. You're gonna. You'll be a great talent, but without any, uh, um, you know, any as they say, je ne sais quoi, as a business savvy, or, or and you're gonna be taken advantage of. You know, and you're not going to be probably collecting a lot of money that you probably should be because you're mm -hmm. not going to be up on which 
you know, platform. You're not going to be registered with Sound Exchange or mm-hmm. you know any of those platforms that get you. I get those checks and I'm grateful for them. Yeah. But yeah. guess what? I remember seeing the Sound Exchange. They sent out the email like years ago. You probably know, and they were like, "These people, we have money sitting here." Unpaid. And right. I was telling my mm-hmm. friends, like emailing my friends, like your name is on this. <laughs> yeah, your name's on the list, right? Right. You know, and they did. Someone, most of them just had no idea. Mm-hmm. Now they're getting checks regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they these were unclaimed funds. Mm-hmm. Some people don't even, they still don't know that. Y'all, yeah. y'all register for sound exchange, you know. You gotta, you gotta, knowing is 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 half the battle. We heard that a long time ago as kids, right? With G.I. Joe, but that's, that's really, really true. So when you think about, everything has not been easy for you, I assume, right? Mm-mm. You've had challenges along the way. What are some of the mistakes, if you can share, that you've learned from, that you feel like, okay, I'll never do that again, but that taught me this. Any failures along the way that you think could help the listeners? Yeah, because, you know, just when I talk about me being forthright, I mean, I was temperamental um, years ago. And so some of that, I, uh, my filter needed work. And again, I was I was not as happy as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was real temperamental. Some bridges I did burn, mm. you know, because of this. Did you recover from those or? Uh, some of them I I think some relationships you know still haven't been repaired I mean just a couple of them Mm -hmm. Uh, and and those two that I'm thinking of right now I'm okay with that and I don't Mm -hmm. know that in this dispensation of time or life that that will ever be repaired and I'm good with it because it probably was bad for me to begin with but the way that I ended them Mm -hmm. might not have been good okay Okay? and that was because of lack of maturity I was younger you know so I was Mm -hmm. a hothead So I wasn't just forthright and honest. At times, I was a bulldog when it needed to be a poodle or whatever. So I mean, just so you know, the mouth. And I'm like, I'm a, you know, hey, you know, you know, just so I, I have made those kind of mistakes along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I learned, you know, that people don't want to work with you if you, if you're giving too much, as they say, you too much, doing too much, you know. So, um, but that was. I had a lot of personal resolve and, and, and personal issues. You know, I was sexually abused as a child. And so that was before I really came to grips with that. You know, I went on the Oprah show in her last season and I told my story really? okay. about child sex abuse. Yeah. And, and, and after that, and I went to therapy and I started combing through all of that because before that, before I really started dealing with that, then that's what people were catching. You know, they were, people were, were victims of, you know, my own, interpersonal unresolved issues. Right. So, and then I would be on the attack mode, you know, so that, but that was because I was just, I was just hurting. I was, I was Mm. a mess. And, and so that's the other thing, you know, I just encourage people, you know, just to really develop your character because you, you, so many doors can open for you, but then Mm. if your character is whack, like mine, I had some doors open and I walked through them, but then a couple of those doors, I know I can't walk through again because I know I set a match when I walked up out of there and and, and the match was this, Mm. you know, and, um, but it's okay because God has redeemed that, Mm. not in maybe that, field right but you know this the, the redemption has come through other doors that god's open mm-hmm. and given me another chance mm-hmm. to be better a couple of those doors like i said i can't walk through those again but it's all it's all good because i probably shouldn't anyway mm-hmm. you know it, so you you grew from those experiences they, they weren't they weren't even those things that you may not be able to do again you can't recreate those exact moments and do them differently maybe like you would today right but there was still a lesson that you took away from it that's impacting your now 
absolutely. And, and your future. Oh, absolutely, yeah. man. I mean, well, let me just, just chronological age. I mean, just age has helped me to grow up. Um, you know, I have a, a family and a wife, mm-hmm. a, a daughter, you know, so there's more responsibility, yeah. you know, and that has helped to grow me. Um, again, personal resolve and therapy, you know, um, has helped to grow me. And, you know, just talking to people, mm-hmm. unpacking stuff from childhood, you know, so many people I know, especially creatives, man, we're walking around, it's just unhealed children, really, mm-hmm. that are trying to engage in an adult process, you know, and, and, Unhealed it, children trying to engage yeah. in adult process. Oh yeah. yeah. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's just we're we're doing that, and we and, and man, we just keep hitting a brick wall. We're wondering why we just keep hitting a brick wall, keep hitting a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Man, that's but half of that stuff is that's your seven year old self hitting that brick wall as a thirty five year old. Mm-hmm. But until you resolve and get some health mental health going you know we don't talk enough about mental health i don't care what nobody says but do you get some mental health going and then you know again as they say your gifting can open doors where your character won't be able to keep you you know so you got to develop that character it's very important for creatives because you know we have way nuts anyway so we just are (laughs) creatives are some crazy folks but we i mean we're because you know we 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 so many times we're pulled on to provide peace and happiness and yeah. love for everybody else. On the weekends, when everybody else gets their time to unwind, yeah. we're the uh-huh. ones providing that exactly. entertainment. Right. Right. So we don't really get a lot of times to receive on the receiving end of that. Right. You know, uh-huh. we always having to make sure y'all happy. So right. a lot of times we're just kind of unkil- off kilter, you know, when it comes to mental and <laughs> stuff like that. But I mean, uh-huh. so I, so I'm, 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 I'm gonna speak in behalf of my creatives. I'm not, you know, you know just be patient with us. Yes. Because, right. you know, we're, you know, we, we're a piece of work sometimes, uh-huh. so yeah, yeah. it is what it is. So talk to me about um, when it comes to negotiation, right? Because, you know, to make a living as a singer, some people would say that's a little bit more challenging maybe to make a living as a keyboardist or a mm-hmm. guitarist or a sure. drummer or whatnot, right? Um, you know, a keyboard music is needed for every song. Maybe your voice is not needed for every particular song, right? Sure. Um, what are some pointers for other, because like the, we talked about open mics and, and things like that. Yes. Session work may not be as plentiful as it was as it was in the past. And let's face it, everybody doesn't attend church. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how can singers make a living from their voice, even if they are not currently in demand? Are there other things that you do, can do, have, or have, have, have looked into even as a vocalist yourself, but how can I monetize this gift? You know, Man, I mean, first of all, that's a great question for this day and age, because obviously one of the main ways people would, as a singer, that would make money is to record music and, and record yourself and release that mm-hmm. into the market. Um, but I can speak from experience, dude. Like I've not always been a recording artist. I'm not yeah. as far, no, no, I've not always recorded albums. Okay. All those years in Nashville, most of those years, I was just, I did studio sessions. Mm-hmm. I was uh, a voiceover artist, you know, so I, and I, I sang ads. They don't like to say jingles. They get offended when you call it jingles. Even if you go to Cincinnati to this day, Cincinnati's known for chili. Okay, so when I worked in Nashville, I worked for a company called Whistler's Music. They did ad, it's an ad agency. Mm-hmm. Like I even the I did the demo for a Chili's, you know, I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby yeah, back, baby yeah. back, baby. But I did the demo, but I did not get the spot because I'm not a bass. Okay. So, but I was I could sing low but enough to do the it, demo. That was that was the and they the one. and they they picked up that they bought that song because of my demo, but mm. I didn't get the spot. 
Wow. Okay. Wow. So, but in Cincinnati, there's this restaurant called Skyline Chili. So one day I went into Whistler's. It's in Nashville. I had moved away from Cincinnati. I said, who's the client today? They were like, oh, you're not going to know. It's some chili chain out of Cincinnati. I was like, are you crazy? I'm from Cincinnati. What is it? <laughs> it's only two chili chains there, Gold Star and Skyline. They were like, oh, my God, it's Skyline. That's the client. They're actually coming in today to hear the idea that we want to pitch to them that you're going to sing. So the client Skyline people came to the session where I learned the song. Crazy. When... Ever you're feeling good and hungry, it's skyline time. <laughs> Gather together with friends and family, it's skyline time. It's like an old platters tune yeah, to yeah. that. Wholesome, hearty food and a taste that's so divine. Together, at last, it's skyline yeah. time. <laughs> Man, I sang that song, and that was in 1997, and they still play it to this day. You sang that like you did it last <laughs> night. They still play it. Y'all in Cincinnati, you know I'm not lying. If you go to Cincinnati Reds game, if you go anywhere in Ohio where they have Skyline, that I'm the voice of Skyline. And I've been since the 90s. I used to get a check every nine weeks or 12 weeks, a nice check. And then in like 2003, they called me and they were like, we want to buy you out. Now, my dumb, it wasn't dumb. I just was, I needed money you at that it. time. <laughs> so I took the buyout. Now, it says they still play it. It's 2023. They still play it and they don't have to pay me a dime mm -hmm. because they bought me out for perpetuity. Here's the thing that I think I have working in my behalf, Skyline. <laughs> I think my voice is now synonymous with their brand. Mm. So if they ever want to change the commercial, shot, they man. probably got to just look me up again because they need this. They need this voice. You need you need me to still sing because people I'm now there's nobody together at last it's skyline time. Everybody wants to hear that. They don't want to hear somebody else singing about skyline chili. So you're still in the business. That's, that's right. Saying. But 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 so. People can do ads. If you if you live in a city, that's why I tell people you got to go to the oil field for creatives. Mm -hmm. Listen, Cincinnati is not an oil. Well, it, I'm saying be wherever God has you to be. I'm not telling people to move up and get up and move and leave just and, and just be reckless. So I'm saying if you're digging for oil, you need to be in an oil field. Yeah. To me, the oil fields for creatives right now, some of the wells go deeper than other cities. Atlanta's a great oil field for creatives. Lots of, Chicago is great for like ad work because they got a lot of ad companies there. Um, uh, of course, New York, LA. I understand that Charlotte might be getting a little bit creative mm -hmm. with what's going on. Um, you know, maybe Miami, Nashville, duh, Music City, USA. So I'm saying if you're, you got, to me, sometimes geographic location means a lot. So because there's opportunities. When I lived in Nashville, I would never have a dull moment. I, every day I could work a session if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. But in Atlanta, even the session work here is not as plenteous as it might be in another, you know. Now yeah. Atlanta's, you know, it's becoming a hotbed for 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 for, for some some BGVs and some especially now though for actors and and actresses, you know, because it's like the little South Hollywood now, you know, with all the movie lots and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. man, Session work, ad work, um, working for churches, because a lot of churches pay their worship team yeah, now. Yeah, especially here, right? Absolutely. The Bible Belt, right? Um, and 
of course, like I said, I mean, if you're called to record music, then you would do that. But, you know, that's a good question, Zach, because really, honestly, it's not, it's, it's hard to make money as a singer now mm -hmm. because as, even as an artist, music is free now, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you're like gonna call yourself, that's why I tell people if you're calling yourself a praise and worship, I'll look at you, a praise and worship artist, or you're doing you know, faith-based music, then make sure the music you record is something that a church is gonna wanna invite you in to do because mm. so many people release music that they call faith-based and it just doesn't find its way to uh, being palatable to a corporate setting. Yeah. So then right. you got a whole album full of music that's slamming now. I mean, I'm on, I might get on the treadmill to it, I might work out to it, I might wanna ride in my car and listen, mm -hmm. but is Pastor Johnson gonna invite you in to sing the music? Because that's, in a practical sense, that's how you make money. Yes, right. So we, you gotta yeah. be mindful of that. People are not practical in their decisions, even when mm -hmm. they record sometimes. They record music as a gospel singer mm -hmm. that's not gonna land them in front of the consumer, which where's the consumer for gospel most times? Sitting in church. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it may, I know there's people that don't, because yeah. it's online church now, and people stream yeah. and whatever. But I'm still saying, record the music that's going to land in the laps of the consumer that you're, so know who your consumer base is. Mm -hmm. Record that for those yeah. people, you know. Yeah. So when I record music, I'm hoping that, and it has worked for me so far, so so far so good, that when I release the music, I need for churches to want to have me in. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I can sing it. <laughs> That's my, you know what I'm saying? Otherwise, this is going to be, I'm going to be at the crib. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that's, you know, but man, making money, like if you're in music nowadays, to me, you ain't doing it because it's lucrative. Unless you're somebody who has the potential to have a lot of live performances mm -hmm. or unless you're a writer, yeah. you know. But other than that, or unless you're, unless you are a viable enough option to tour, you know, which is, you know, touring is kind of picking up nowadays, mm -hmm. but depending on who, I yeah, mean, right, you better right. have a real good following that's going to show up, buy a ticket for you, and and come see you. Yeah. So, so as we get closer to the end, I want to ask you something. You've got two special ladies in your life. See, Behind. that just automatically brought a smile. It did. I, 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 I saw it, man. You lit up the whole room. Oh my goodness! You've got wife, beautiful daughter. Yes. How do you balance being a businessman, creative, while keeping home happy? Oh, geez, that's a loaded question. Um, but I've got a lot of practice by now. You know, man, I just believe that that really goes back to even being mindful of people also are not cognizant enough of who it is they're partnering with even for life. You know, and being honest and open about what your trajectory has been, what it is and what it will be, even when you are getting married mm -hmm. or whatever. Now, Tracy and I are a little bit different, abnormal. We've been best friends since fifth grade. Mm -hmm. We've been but married for Tracy, 30 was years. Was Tracy aware of your musical dream? Did, did, did she, Later did she on, accept she was, it or did she know it? Did she sign up for it, if you will? She definitely signed up for okay. it. Okay, and so um, hasn't always been easy for her to walk that walk. You know, because then I'm gone, especially mm -hmm. earlier. Because I, when I was earlier in my career, I was yeah. always gone. I was on tours. I was, you know, whatever. so that's a lot of away time. Then we didn't have Bethany then. So then she's home by herself, mm -hmm. you know. 
she's always worked outside the home. So she did have work to kind of as a distractor for her, but for the most part, it's still hard. I don't care what you do. So yeah. you have to really, really, really be cognizant and be intentional about building a real solid foundation at, for your home p- yeah. space and, right. your ho- and your relationship with your marriage or, or your partner, whoever it is. So, um, I mean, this ain't um, marriage counseling, but it is what it is. I mean, it's just, it really takes a great deal of intention uh, and understanding and honesty about what it is I'm called to do and what that's gonna require of my time and my schedule. Mm-hmm. And there's just a, a huge amount of understanding that Tracy and I have, per se. A lot of that understanding comes from years and years. Like I said, we've been best friends since fifth grade. She's known me before I even, she just has been there, okay? Yeah. Married for 30 years. So, I mean, she just we just have a lot of experience under our belt. But even somebody that doesn't, I don't care if you've been married for three years or three months, still needs to be a very open, honest dialogue about what it is I'm called to do and um, and and then to, but to balance that, dude, like even for me, just in a practical sense, like when I'm home, I'm home. Like I just, I draw some boundaries with, mm-hmm. Tracy has something called, which, you know, I'm probably spilling the beans because I told her this needs to be copywritten, but she calls it loading. She says, all right, we're all loading. She says, for me, Bethany, she and Bethany and myself, we're all going to load from seven to eight. Loading is an acronym she came up with, which is life off of and away from devices. Okay. L-O-A-D. So she says, we need to load. That means we're going to live off of and away from these devices, our phones, our Mm -hmm. tablet. Mm -hmm. So we already know. Tracy, Bethany will come in. Mommy says, time to load yes so then we put our phones away our devices away Mm -hmm. you know and uh that's just and she as a as 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 a keeper of the home and as as a caregiver Mm -hmm. she can tell when the electronics have have we've gotten off balance yeah Yeah, so then she'll say we you can come off of those yeah Mm-hmm. You know, so that's one of the ways that we maintain a balance and keep, and she helps me that's keep good. a balance, you yeah. know. Now, I know some people might say, oh man, you're the man of the house. How's your wife going to tell you? No, that's the first mistake you're making mm-hmm. because it has to be a team effort. And so you do what works for you. And as for me and my house, you do what works. I'm not saying everybody has to do loading or do what, do what works for you, but I'm saying as a general rule, and I got 30 years in, so you might want to listen, you know, you have to maintain a balance of when you're home, then shut everything else kind of off. You know, when you're home, be home. Yeah. You know, and um, so that works for us. I mean, you know, when it's just we have a we're very cognizant and intentional about being in the now and our now. You know, and really being present and not absent in the moment. Yeah. So it takes a lot for creatives, especially. We're so easily distracted. Yeah. When I was growing up, they didn't have ADD. They just beat your tail and say, you sit yourself down somewhere and couldn't pay attention. That's what they, you know, there wasn't all this medicine and, you know, ADD, you know, which I wholeheartedly support, you know, mental health and people that are struggling with ADD. But we didn't have that luxury, not luxury. We just didn't even have that information back then. Mm-hmm. They just didn't call it that. They just say you bad. Yeah. Or they put you in a special ed class or right. whatever. But right. um a lot of creatives, though, I think, suffer with ADD, where our attention is so, the general public now is, to me, defi- attention deficit. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, man, I just think we need to be in the moment, be very present. Um, but that takes, again, it takes a high level of intention, um, again, off of devices and, and, and just scheduling time and not mm-hmm. breaking those commitments that you make with your family, you know, 
I got, I mean, Tracy and I have a miracle. Bethany is nine years old. We're 55. Okay. So, you know, we had a Bethany, Tracy got pregnant at 45. We didn't think we could have kids. Okay. And she got pregnant at 45 years old. We had zero kids. Bethany's the only child we have. She's a miracle, mm-hmm. but still challenging. Amazing. We're 55. We're raising a night. We'll be 63 when Bethany walks down to graduate from high school, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it takes a high level of patience, high level of planning for me. That's why I don't travel as much. I'm like, I didn't wait to get this miracle of a child and then be an absentee father. I'm not doing that. So a lot of stuff I turned down because I just cannot do it. This is me though. So, I mean, it just depends on where where in life you are, you know, what age are you? What are you supposed to be? Now, I know for me, 90% of what I'm called to do is at the local church setting. You know, that's why I'm at Christian Cultural Center. I've been there for 12 years. I what I'd spend 90% of my time is to train and develop people in the local church. Mm-hmm. I'm not called to be out on some tours and doing all of that. That did that back in the day. Now I know what it is. I have focus. So it takes a great deal of focus mm-hmm. and, um, and being committed to that. So, I mean, that's what I'm supposed to do. That doesn't render me imbalanced. It doesn't render me gone too much. I do it. And, and then I, I have a level of consciousness about, what it requires for me to be present and accounted for in my home, in my marriage. And so, and anything that's going to take me outside of that balance, I don't do it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I want to switch it up just for a little bit before we, before we uh, transition. <laughs> Ask you some questions, just kind of see where your headspace is. Oh, okay. So, a little trivia thing that we do from time to time with okay. different guests. Beach or mountains? Oh, mountains. Why? Well... I don't, and it's funny you ask that because I'm a swimmer, but I don't like swimming beaches because I'm scared of like, I'm not going to step on no jellyfish. I'm not going to swim with nothing that ain't human. So I, <laughs> so I said mountains because I don't like beaches. Gotcha. $5,000 a month for life, royalties, or a lump sum of 20 million. Oh, I'm taking 20 million. Why? I take 20 million because I feel that I can do more with it sooner because because who knows how long I have left on the earth. I want the 20 million because I feel like I can do more faster. I don't want to have to wait for what was it the other amount you said you said like 5,000 a month mm-mm. residually no. 20 million up front. No, I want 20 million. I'm going to be able to invest it into means that I think could render more than 5,000 a month. I'm gonna be able to do it more exponentially, like faster, and I'll take the 20 million. Mm. You're a journalist. Oprah, Barbara Walters. One's your mentee, or mentor I should say. You're a mentee of one. Oprah, Barbara Walters. I'm a, I would probably say Barbara Walters. <laughs> I think and I know why you would say Barbara Walters. <laughs> because, because you're a straight shooter. <laughs> <laughs> but not yeah, saying Oprah's yeah. not, but just no, Barbara but Walters had a brand around. I just would say Barbara Walters because she asked the hard questions. Oprah asked hard questions too. Mm-hmm. I also say Barbara Walters because of the breadth of people that she's spoken to. Oprah has spoken to a lot of people too, mm-hmm. so those are two good choices. But I'm going to say Barbara because I mean she's oh please she's. Ew, she just she's spoken to everybody. She's interviewed everybody, mm-hmm. and she and I like how pointed she is. Like yeah. she's gonna ask the hard questions, yeah. man. She was a legend. What? Dining at home or eating out? Definitely dining at home. Did and you cook? I, I, I cook. 
So, is that why? Absolutely. Okay. Because we cook. I, I know, well, Tracy cooks too, but I like to cook. And because I'm a homebody, I like to be at home because of being so uh, over the years historically and even now still having to go travel twice a month, I'm always going to take the opportunity to be at home. Mm-hmm. Plus we can cook. So, and I feel like it's in a prideful, petty way. You know, I feel like my food tastes better than yours. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> and you can look at me and tell I I can eat some food so I, I know what tastes good and, and, and restaurants are cool but nah dude we can we know how to fix our own food and make it taste how it's supposed to taste mm-hmm. so, yeah on this side of things if you had to do it again would you choose creative career or something more dull normal as they said in the millionaire mind? I would definitely choose normal I okay. would not be in the creative lane I just even now I'm going to look in the camera and say this. <laughs> I would like to have a position, maybe just as a staff writer or some kind of like, just if, if, if you're in journalism and you think, you know, because Zach's going to, I'm trying to talk him into producing a podcast for me. God help us. And so, <laughs> so I'm saying, no, I'm, I, if I had to do it all over, definitely I would not choose a creative lane. I would be able to be my creative self when I wanted to be it, but I would not have my, financial substance, my income mm-hmm. connected to a creative lane. Mm-hmm. Not in this, no, I would not do in, that. In today's world, right. When you did it, it was I, different. Absolutely. Because so, we don't want the listeners to get confused. That's right. We're not That's talking right. to you about out of, trying, to, trying to talk you out of being musically no, hitched as much as you're saying. absolutely. Know where you are, know what season it is, right? Yeah, and I would like, probably even, even thinking about the title of your show, Musically Hitched, I would be hitched as an A&R person at a label or work under the roof mm-hmm. in a more eight to five capacity than I would be on the creative side of it. Well, gotcha. That's all creative. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's all creative, but I would have a different, I would function differently than, than what I do now. I wouldn't be an artist. Yeah, I got you. Fair enough. Yeah. So this has been amazing. Oh man, I love it. I mean, it. tons of, tons of nuggets, tons of wisdom. Uh, I love I love the, the the context around relationships and longevity and the Absolutely. and the correlation because I really don't believe that you can have I don't believe you can have relationships and not have longevity mm. and I certainly believe you can't have longevity if you don't have that's right relationships they they're, they're right. two peas uh, yes. in a pod and they definitely connect so and I think you you've done that celebrate your accomplishments congratulations thank in, you in advance depending on when you watch this or catch this he may uh, have his star. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, on the, on the sidewalk somewhere in Cincinnati. That's case, right. In case that's, you tour in the city and that's visit right. Around. That's right. So, but what? But well, I would say long overdue. Uh, Thank you. But maybe even right on time. Uh, great guy. Much, much, uh, you know, success to you. And, and Thank I you. Don't know what your future endeavors are, but I know you got some things up your sleeve. And you, yeah, you can I mean, share I'm those gonna, as I'm we gonna, close I'm if you I'm want. I'm but. gonna. Yeah. I, I. 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 Again, it's been so many years since I recorded an album, but. Oh. Um, it's time time to do that again but it's in a different I do it with a different goal okay because like I said I'm at the local church level and I'm spending 90% of my time at the local church with Mm -hmm. local church creatives so I do want to record an album called Set List and and I call it Set List because it's very pointed and it's very focused on music that we could do in the local church setting so I want 10 songs that people can load into their planning center online app and they can use those songs without any question. Nice. And also that I feel called to, with Heart Art Worship, to go and just kind of share and help develop and train creatives 
even with workshops and with, with I call them intensives over the weekends at different churches around the country. And so when I do that, the soundtrack that I will use will be my own music, which will be set list, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, which I love singing everybody else's music, but finally I'm gonna record a 10 songs, 10 to 13 songs that are the soundtrack to the work that I do when I go into these churches and right. train these singers, you know, so I'm excited about it. I'm, 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 I'm gonna say this here because maybe people will see that, you know, I'm kind of looking for songs. I'm not looking for uh, songs that are too wordy. I'm not looking for songs that, um, I'm looking for songs that I w- are, are land where I call enthronement worship. Songs that just talk about God being holy, his majesty, da 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 da. Songs that are repetitive, that people call and response, that people can, that are easy for people to pick up. So if y'all got, if y'all writers out there and you, and you, and you, you're writing some songs, then just shoot me an inbox an on Instagram or somewhere yeah, right. at Darwin Hobbs on Instagram and uh, and on Facebook. But uh, so I am looking for songs because I don't write, you know. So I'm the guy to sing your songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, but so but I, I don't I don't write. So I really do need writers to to hit me up. Yeah. Well, that, if that wasn't a plug, I don't know what one is. Absolutely. So that's an opportunity, and that's what musically it's all about. Helping Absolutely. People find their way to their dream or just help them to sustain their dream. And just, yes. And just overall improve the the musical landscape, right? Yes. We all benefit. Music is everywhere. That's right. It's we, we can hear it in the background in this building that we're in now. That's right. We're going to hear it in an elevator somewhere, in the car. It, we can't get away from it. So wow. we're all musically hits in some way. Everybody's not a creator. I've never heard anybody say that, Zach. It's the Music truth. is everywhere. That's it's so everywhere. true what you just said. I'm probably going to post that. I'm not. I'm giving him credit right now for that. So just, I'm not giving you credit for that every time. It's mine after every two time. times. And, and after music two times. is everywhere. That is so profound because it's, it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. And I and certainly I didn't make this up. But it's and, you know I was thinking about this the other day traveling abroad. It's the universal language. Mm. I couldn't speak the language. You know, in France, I couldn't. I don't. I'm not fluent in French or Spanish or music. Et But but everybody, you could play September anywhere. And no matter what language you speak, the movement. That's right. It, it all comes in sync. So it's a powerful gift. Absolutely. Don't don't ever lose yours. I won't give up mm. mine. Let's keep let's keep doing it. And you, you keep doing it. Absolutely. That's what this is all about. Absolutely. So thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you, brother. Uh, I'm so grateful. Finally, this has happened. Yeah. Rachel, we made it happen. <laughs> so. so speaking of Rachel, she's gonna produce this set list album now she ain't just a background ah. singer she's one of the producers oh you're letting the cat out of the bag absolutely so yeah no because you know and it, it's so funny because she's one of the few female in and gospel i don't know if there's any other ones that are really doing it but yeah i'm so proud of her because yeah. you know not just a background singer but she's grown and 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 honed her craft you know even as a producer so yeah. i'm excited to work yeah. with rachel Appreciate you, man. Good to have you on the show again. Thank you. Uh, people can find you again before we before we go. How can they find you online? I'm on if Instagram they don't tons. You. you know, Darwin at Darwin Hobbs. Now, y'all, in my Instagram, I like to crack up and laugh and joke, and so most of my posts are just crazy clips that y'all all send me and inbox me, uh, and I love it. So keep keep them coming. Uh, so, but I'm on Instagram uh, tons and and Facebook. Not yeah. as much, but you know, my niece tells me, Uncle Darwin, Facebook is for mm-hmm. Facebook is for old people. You know that I'm like, whatever, you know. So I mean, <laughs> that's what she says. So, but I'm on Facebook, but Instagram mostly. I'm not on Snapchat and TikTok yet. But everybody, again, my these young people around me, they're like, you know, you're you need a Snapchat, you need TikTok, and so I, not yet. But but Instagram, I'm there every day. You're there. 
right. at Darwin Hobbs. And you don't have to get permission to follow. You just you just follow. So Yeah. Well, again, my, my pleasure to have you on the show, man. No, Ladies and gentlemen, singer extraordinaire. He's a husband. He's a father. He's he's an executive. He's a businessman. He's doing a lot of things. And and we're, we're proud to, to say that you're now a musically hit alumni. Your first podcast Absolutely. in the bag. Absolutely. I want to Is there a way to come back? Is that, or is that, do you ever have people on more Oh, than of once? course. Yeah, I mean, oh, good. Absolutely, man. I just want to come back and just, and have a more, a more, well, with our conversation was focused, but I just want to come back because I just love talking to you. So just, <laughs> just figure out something that I can come back and be a part. part I don't care two. if it's with other people. Just, just, I want to come back. We're going to make it happen. All We're right. going to make it happen, man. All right. My pleasure. Appreciate you. Stay locked in. Musically his. Don't forget to follow us on all social platforms. You can definitely do us a favor, huge favor that helps us out. Hit that plus button on Apple Podcasts. That helps the podcast to grow mm. and reach more people. If you're a YouTube person, hit that subscribe button. That way you miss no episodes. All the notifications will come right to your inbox. We look forward to continuing to bring great content just like this to you consistently. Stay locked in. We'll see you next time. Music is not just an art form, but it's also a lifestyle, a gift to be shared with the world. It's the universal language. Be sure to check out our online store featuring new merch at www.musicallyhitch.com. Our quality t-shirts and hoodies are a great way to tangibly express that language of love and your commitment to a lifestyle of music. Each life has a soundtrack. Our stories are the lyrics. So get hitched. Visit our store at musicallyhitch.com and receive 25% off your order today.